0: I'm Jim Jeffries. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Guardian Live podcast of the Edinburgh Festival 2009. I've just been interviewed by Miles Jupp at the Gilda Balloon, which was like being hugged by an uncle for a little bit too long. It wasn't just me, there was Ivan Brackenbury, Tom Wrigglesworth, Sarah Milligan, John Holmes, Frisky and Manish. When I arrived, Miles was on stage telling the audience an incredibly risky joke about some government minister doing something with a, did he just say banana? So that's how he coined
1: the phrase "banana Felcher." <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see if the Guardian lawyers keep that one in. Yeah. Knowing them, they'll probably just cut the setup. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Here to enjoy it with me, my first guest, Sarah Millican. So, uh, Sarah, it's lovely. Genuinely lovely to see What's been happening in life, being the usual rollercoaster of um, cakes, new dresses and Mills and Boone novels? What have you been up to?
2: <laughs> That's exactly what it's been like. <laughs> no, I haven't read any Mills and Boone, though. I used to, I used to produce audiobooks uh, in a former life and I used to produce a lot of Mills and Boone. And uh, my favourite line was, um, he positioned himself for entry. <laughs> 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 Sounded like a fat man trying to get through a doorway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, uh, Brian Logan in The Guardian, he said, uh, he said that your punchlines were timed to perfection. You're a joy to watch. That's nice, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it is nice. It's a wonder why he still only gave us three stars, though.
1: Well, I, I didn't know that. What a beast.
2: Yeah, it read as a four, though. Oh, did yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: He says uh, He says you've got a voice like a Geordie Minnie Mouse.
2: Yeah. Is that, is that good? I don't know, because every year I get one of these. like the first year I got... Um, Reminds you of a young Thora Heard. <laughs> so I used that on my poster for the next year, and then last year I got, uh, with the look of Deirdre Barlow in her prime. <laughs> in her prime? Shut up! Not like she looks now, like she looked when Ken Barlow and Mike Baldwin were fighting over her. <laughs> That's me!
1: <laughs> uh, now, I hear, I understand on the Great but I hear that you've been offered a new job.
2: Yes. Um, uh, I got a, a parcel that was delivered to the Pleasants yesterday and, um, and I didn't know what it was obviously and I, I went and opened it and it, it was chocolate and I thought first of all it was from a barn um, which worried me because I, I knew I'd still want to eat them <laughs> even if they were from, you know, a loon. Um, I was trying to figure out if they've got rohypnol in, can you still eat them as long as you go home straight away? It <laughs> 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 just saves us having a night nurse that night. <laughs> Um, but they were actually from a chocolate company and they, they had a, a letter attached and the letter said, uh, we would like to offer you the job of quality control manager. <laughs> I thought maybe they'd read a couple of my reviews and gone, the comedy thing's not gonna work out, let's give her a proper job. <laughs> so I get to eat chocolate whenever I like and just send in an email. I haven't replied to it, but it's kind it was, of cool.
1: And it was unsolicited chocolate. I mean you hadn't been quietly just filling in application forms for various jobs around the place. <laughs> no. What can I do? I understand they're looking for waitresses at uh, Betty's in Harrogate, by the way. I think you'd be very good at that. Um,
2: um, I understand that you've got sort of northeastern um, blood in your family. Is that true? I'm sorry? <laughs> you know, all these posh and these highfalutin ways. You've got a Geordie Grander, haven't you? His <laughs> Mum told me last week.
3: <laughs> um,
2: do I win that... Yeah, that is,
1: uh, that is that is that's true actually. Um, yeah, I, I do. You, my, my mother gave you this. She yeah. fed you this information. Right. Yes,
2: she totally did.
1: Right, did you? Did you? Come on.
2: Right. <laughs> I think he stumped, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> no, you're absolutely correct. I did. I did have a a Geordie, a Geordie grandfather. Is he here? Yeah. <laughs> It's him slumping over a shame to be revealed as my grandfather um...
2: <laughs> But still proud to be a Jodie ha!
1: <laughs> You've been out and about uh, You've been uh, chatting to uh, people like Peter Duncan uh, The Chippendales uh, yes. uh, Who have you, you been chatting to this time?
2: Uh, this week I chatted to Lionel Blair <gasps> I know <Ooh. laughs> He's popular with the audience <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was a real sweetheart He was lovely
1: was he? What's, uh, what, what's he like? I mean, he's a nice man, is he? Uh... He was
2: nice. He had massive sunglasses on, so he looked a bit like a really old fly.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, what did you? Uh, what did you ask him?
2: Uh, I started off uh, by asking him how his uh, show was going.
3: The public had been unbelievably kind and wonderful. Of course, you know I'm a festival virgin. Oh, are you really? This is my very first Edinburgh there Festival. There must not
2: be many things that you haven't done I before. I know,
3: this is <laughs> one of them. And um, it's been incredible. You know, I've got my other show at the Apex as well. Yes, of course. I and Ronnie Corbett came, and Stephen oh, K almost came. Oh, wow. Claire Sweeney came, and it's just been... Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: No, I remember you from uh, Give a yes, Clue, probably. of course.
3: But, you used to um, come home from you... school and watch <laughs> this. I
2: remember a story recently in the last couple of years when you and Alan Carr saved a man's life. That's
3: a true story. That's an amazing story. Yes. That's
2: like the perfect showbiz story.
3: Bit ridiculous, isn't it? But we did. And he was throwing himself off the North Pier at Blackpool. And we he hadn't said, just
2: been to the show or anything, had
3: you? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we just recorded a pilot for a new TV series. The, the peer manager said, Oh, Alan Lalan, man's trying to commit suicide, you've got to help. And I went, we, we thought he was joking. But he wasn't, he was clinging. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable.
2: How did, did you just talk him up? Or did you both yeah, do, like, I a bit said,
3: of a turn? <laughs> I just said, he was clinging. And I said, I'm a blair and that's Alan Carl for telly. And, and as I said that, he looked up at us, and we grabbed his hand and <laughs> pulled him up.
2: Yeah. Wow. He should be, like, the, like, the sixth service, the sixth emergency service. You should get a medal. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Goodness
1: me. That <coughs> what an e- excellent opportunity for him to use some... Like, so sort of give us a clue, standing there sort of miming reasons the man had to live.
2: I love that he said he's Alan Carr off the telly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, did you also get around to asking him a bunch of daft questions?
2: Yeah, they're not daft. They're insightful. Miles, shut up. Um... Yes, I did. I asked him uh, various questions, and he has to. The, the, the thing with Millikinsman is he has to answer as many questions as he can in a
4: minute.
3: What was your favourite subject at school? Oh, sports.
2: And if your house was on fire, what would you leave behind?
3: Leave behind yeah. everything except my family.
2: Oh a lovely answer um, uh, this is a question that was left over from the Deals. how long does it take you to wax you don't have to answer that wax
3: <laughs> I've never waxed in my life
2: I keep it that way because it's really painful um, what do you read on the toilet
3: I, I try to stay on that as short as I can what do you, I, on the toilet a cigarette and that helps
2: <laughs> that's great. that's good it's a good tip thank you um,
3: what's your alcoholic beverage of choice um, vodka and tonic
2: what's your favourite film
3: Oh, some like it hot.
2: Oh, good answer. Um, if you were going out for your Sunday dinner, would you have beef, pork, lamb or chicken?
3: Uh, if the crackling was good, it would be the pork.
2: Elvis or Cliff?
3: Uh, oh, 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 Cliff.
2: What's your favourite pudding? Pudding? Yeah.
3: Chocolate. Anything chocolate mousse, chocolate, Anything. <laughs> anything.
2: Anything. <laughs> What we did, puddin'.
1: <laughs> my, my favourite puddin'. Uh, <laughs> uh, how charming. Well, uh, by my maths, he got, uh, he got ten right. Uh, let's see where that puts him on the leaderboard. Indeed, the, the glamorous Anna seems to have dropped a bikini size. Uh, now, where does that um, where does that put him on the uh, oh third?
2: It, yeah, it puts him underneath the chip chippendales. <laughs> That's he... not somewhere any of us want to be. <laughs> <laughs> Always on top.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure you can see her show if you can. Every night at the Pleasance, the wonderful Sarah Millican. We're just about to have a chat with John Holmes, uh, a man who holds the record for the largest fine ever for taste and decency offences in broadcasting. Uh, but before we do, let's welcome onto the stage someone who may well one day steal his crown, performing every night at the Pleasance Courtyard and while he's here broadcasting live to the patients at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Brimington on sea ladies and gentlemen, Ivan
5: Brackenbury. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, in a couple of minutes' time, we are going live. I notice you've got some older people in the audience, and there's no swearing in this, because you don't like swearing, do you, in comedy, the older people, do you? No? Like a bit of racism, though, don't you? Eh? Just a little bit. Yeah, I've got some of that. Um, so it's great to see you. I'm loving it here at the festival because I keep seeing comedians and stuff. Uh, my favourite comic's Peter K, He's brilliant. Oh, what is he? He says that wine. It gets me every time. Um, oh, yeah. Garlic bread! <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so think about... The thing about Peter is, he thinks the things we all think, doesn't he? And he says the things all the comedians have said. So (laughs) absolutely love him. Okay, I think we're going live. Good luck, everyone, and loads of energy from you. And this afternoon's show is brought to you thanks to our sponsors, KY Jelly.
1: Brackenbury Disease Hour on Hospital Radio Yo, with, with KY Jelly
5: for women who married for money. Baby, love really hurts you. Hospital Radio broadcasters do it to ill people. Yeah we do we we live from Edinburgh 2009. Woo! Playing this next song for Siamese twins. They're joined at the head.
3: Living in just one mind You of know
5: Living in just one mind. Actually, we're very excited about the twins, so we'll play them two in a row. Twin spin, twin spin It's a twin spin. twin spin And the operation to separate them is this evening And all our prayers go out to both their families on both sides It's a risky operation, we've got them, the Spice Girls is the night when to one. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth Hospital Radio. Q E H R. Queer Radio. Queer. If you're feeling queer, we're here. This is for John. He's got massive ears. He's having them pinned back. He loves Simply Red. Ivan Brackenbury, Ivan Brackenbury. Out, and out and about Reaching out And touching patience Well mm. <laughs> Oh my goodness It's me old mate Snoop Doggy Dog Yo what up This is big Snoop Dogg Hanging out with my nephew Ivan Brackenbury, Brackenbury.
1: Brackenbury. And you know how we doze it sometimes
5: I know him Hello to Peter Pennine. He's got dandruff The size of breadcrumbs
6: Why do birds
5: so Every time you are near Dandruff the size of breadcrumb Hospital Radio Disease -er on Hospital Radio I want to say hello to Jim because we thought he was a goner because he needed a new heart, lungs, liver and kidneys and spleen and it was no good, he had no chance and he was on the waiting list but then luckily the netball team coach crashed Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number 5. And they were all down the carrier, so in that lucky, I know it's sad for them, but their loss is his gain and we'll celebrate that with a little bit of Louis Vega. A little,
0: a little bit, bit of Monica in my life, a little bit of Erica by my side, a little bit of Rita's all I need, a little bit of Tina's
5: what I see. Let's take a quick break.
7: Do you remember the 60s? Then it's about time you started thinking about planning your funeral.
5: (laughs) Well, if you love my show, you'll absolutely love the lady on after me. Her name's uh, Joan Arkwright, and she's got a country music show called Country Tracks, and she's a great broadcaster. And she probably won't thank me for saying this, but she's had a vaginal prolapse. And... We've really missed that. we really have. So that's Joan Arkwright's Country Tracks, our next on Hospital Radio.
4: Joan Arkwright's Country Tracks. Tracks.
5: <laughs> and that's the Hospital Radio Road Show!
1: Thank you very much, Ivan Brackenbury. Uh, now, my next guest, uh, he's put words into the mouths of Keanu Reeves, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jamie Foxx and Bono. He's starring here in Ed- Edinburgh every night in Rockstar Babylon, here at the Gilded Balloon and featuring the voice of Stephen Fry. Please welcome, John Holmes. <laughs> John, how yes, are
7: you? Fine, you?
1: Uh, very well, thank Good. you. I'm slightly, <laughs> slightly on edge. I can um, tell, yes. <laughs>
7: it's your inner Geordie coming out, isn't it? That's what it is.
1: Yes, that's what's happened, yeah. uh, being, being outed in that way. Um, now, this, this being a broadcast, Yes. I'm, I'm very slightly reluctant to ask you, but you 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 got the largest fine ever. Yeah. For a taste and decency offence.
7: Yeah. Uh, it, brought, it was some time ago. Are you uh, it, it are you allowed
1: was. to talk about it freely now? Yes.
7: What well, we'll find out. Um, it, right. it was. Uh, I'm not proud of it. Let me let me start now by saying that. Um, I was at the time, obviously. Um, I, I did a show on a, on, a, on a radio station called Virgin Radio. It no longer exists, of course. That wasn't my fault um, in any way. But I had a, a late night show on Virgin. And one of the uh, games we used to play was called Swearing Radio Hangman for the Under-12s. <laughs>
3: right.
7: And while that sounds good on paper,
3: <laughs>
7: Ofcom disagreed with it. <laughs> Mm. Well we ran it for six months and um, what would happen is it was in the middle of the night and parents would uh, happily ring up, wake their little children up to come on and play hangman uh, with swear words and that was fine uh, until we did it for a while and it was just silly words, but the one, um, I, I, I don't know whether I can say it on here or not but I'll say it, the one that got us into trouble was, it was a five letters, three letters, four letters um, and then it was, if you want to do it, right... Um, there was a uh, the, the little girl, nine-year-old Katie, she went, is there a, um, is there a, is there a S in it? And I said, yeah, it's the first letter of the, of the first word. She said, is there, a, is there a T? I said, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the middle word, and that's the, uh, that's the first and the last letter of the three-letter middle word. Is there a W? Yeah, that's the first letter of the last word. <laughs> and eventually, she ended up saying the phrase, soapy tit wank. Now that... <laughs> I, so I'm not proud of it. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, she, she then shouted that down the telephone, and I played some Deacon Blue. That's probably where where, where it all went to so horror. Yeah, that wrong. was that was, but it was it was a, it wasn't, uh, You know, it was a competition that we were doing, very popular. At the yeah. time, but um, but I got but I got fired. Uh, uh, even though the boss of the radio station had loved, had agreed, that, I mean he produced the show. He's going, this is brilliant. Let's keep doing it. And then uh, someone upstairs said, actually, can you stop doing that and leave the building quickly? Um, no. <laughs> and uh, the fine was one hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which they uh, got down to seventy five by sacking me. Uh, <laughs> so thanks them. But you, uh, you're a busy boy, John. You uh, a lot of broadcasting. Obviously. You write uh, you've written a number of books. Is that how many books you've written? Uh, well, uh, yeah, one's been published. I've written loads, that yeah. Is, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, But the other two come out this year, so that's all right. I wrote this book called Status Quo and the Kangaroo Kate. It's a collection of, of myths and rumours and legends about and what I then found out to be libelous stories about rock stars. Um, the Guardian lawyers are going to love this one as well. No, it's uh, it's a book of these stories and and, and people uh, you, many people have heard these kind of things like Van Halen having all the blue M&Ms taken out of their bowls backstage. And they demand that on their list of requests when they do gigs or something. people were talking about this and I thought you know what there's a there's loads of these stories out there and if I go and get some roadies drunk they can probably tell me some of the things about you know rock stars that they've worked with, which worked very well. So anonymously drunk roadies just telling me bad things about Celine Dion. I then write it down in what I like to think is an hilarious. Fashion, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I have a meet- then we get the book uh, pub- to be published, uh, and, and the lawyers at Penguin. It was their most legaled book, I think they said in, uh, in their history. So the book eventually we got around all that. Book got published, and I um, and it's called Status Quo and the Kangaroo, as you said. Uh, and then it came out in America, uh, and it turned out Americans had never heard of status quo. Uh, so we had to change the title to Rockstar Babylon which is uh, the title of the, the show here as well and um, they'd also never heard of kangaroos uh, uh, or books actually <laughs> so uh, um, so it's Rockstar Babylon it became in paperback and the show I'm doing here is kind of based on that and just and then he's he's performed stories. Performed, I, more, more you say performed, read out and mocked, uh, Randy oh. uh, and Stephen Fry is the voice of the footnotes and I. It's it's you know it's uh, it's a lighting and sound spectacular for all. Yes. Yeah. It's like Cirque du Soleil in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> so so Stephen Fry,
1: he's he's you've just. Dragged him into a sound studio and he's recorded...
7: Yeah, exactly, at gunpoint, yeah, mostly that, yeah. yeah. No, the reason that Stephen did it, uh, which was very, very nice of him, was uh, I used to write, when he used to host the BAFTAs, because mm-hmm. um, obviously I come from a writing background as well, and I used to write his script with him for the... Um, uh, or co-write it with him, um, and um, Ivor Badil and we used to write a script for him, and I just sort of... Uh, you know, called in a favour really, and he and he did it for me, which was very nice because his voice. You know, there's the bits and footnotes in the book. There's a story in, in the show about the lead singer of Faith No More, um, uh, who would unscrew uh, hair dryers every time he went into a hotel. He'd unscrew the complimentary hairdryer, dryer um, ha- have a have a crap in it, right, and then screw it back together again and leave it for the next guest. That's you. You see, you make that noise now, but if Stephen Fry told you that, you would going, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Really lovely. <laughs> oh. so that he's kind of you know taking the edge off for me. That's all. And that, that not, <laughs> not out of you too. He doesn't take the edge off. No, not to do with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that, that. Is that how then you put the, the, the words into the mouths of the likes of Keanu Reeves,
7: Leonardo DiCaprio? Have you, have you written for them yeah. for the award shows? Yes, yeah, so exactly that. They, they turn up um, to present these awards at BAFTA and so on and so forth. Then, well, and then um, the, there was one bit backstage at, at BAFTA, because um, you know, it's on the telly and stuff, and, they, and it was like 45 seconds to go, Mr. Reeves, and he's standing just off stage. And I'm standing there thinking, ah, Keanu Reeves, excellent. And then this wardrobe assistant came over to. Um, do his bow tie, you know, just of adjust his bow tie. 30 seconds to go, Mr Reeves, and she adjusted his bow tie. And it just, it was a proper bow tie. She undid it by accident, and it just fell sort of apart. And he wasn't phased in the slightest. And, and, and he just stood there like that and went... 20 seconds to go, Mr Reeves, and she's frantically trying to tie his bow tie, but didn't know how. Yeah. Um, and it was a marvellous moment, because then Richard Gere just sort of stepped in, tied Keanu Reeves' bow tie back up for him, and just went, you're good to go. <laughs> and he went straight so fantastic. <laughs>
3: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ladies and gentlemen, John Holmes, nightly here at the Gilded Balloon. Thank you very much indeed, John Holmes. Jim Jeffries is about to step onto this stage for a chat, but before he does, we're privileged to get some stand-up from a previous winner of So You Think You're Funny, a man whose show called An Open Letter to Richard Branson is on every night at the
4: Pleasance Courtyard. Please welcome Tom Ricklesworth. Hello. (laughs) before I came up here, I went went to see my dad. I I live in London and my dad lives in Sheffield and I sort of visited him on the way up. I visited my dad to give him a computer lesson because he got a brand new computer and he keeps it in the spare room, uh, which is weird. Uh, He keeps it under a white sheet as well and I thought the computer had died when I first saw it. Uh, What's it doing under there, dad? And uh, he unveils it and my dad's got no idea with computers. like I'm sure a lot of you parents, you know, just the, the gulf between young and old technology-wise is immense, isn't it? And uh, he reveals his computer, and he's naming the bits as they get exposed. He's saying, that's the, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the keyboard, that, Dad. Dad, that's the printer. That's the printer, that. He's getting it all wrong. And I gave him the IT mantra that we all adhere to, the fact that you must uh, back up, back up all. It's very important, isn't it? You must back up, back up, back up. I mean, if you really need it, print it out. But always back up. And we did a bit of word and outlook. Stuff like that. And then I said, right, Dad, let's have a look at the big one, the, uh, the internet. And I showed him the logo of the internet, the big blue E. And I said, Dad, double-click that, surf's up. Now, has anyone here ever tried to teach an elderly friend or relative how to use a computer? <laughs> it, it's, a, it's an absolute minefield, isn't it? They, they don't have the motor skills. They don't have the motor skills. It, it, it completely blindsided me. My dad tried to double-click it. He clicked on it once, and then his hand just spazzed like that. <laughs> It just sort of jerked, you know, his upper body tensed. So rather than double-click it, he simply picked up the big blue E, <laughs> dragged it, <laughs> then dropped it in the recycle bin. <laughs> I said, whoa, Dad, what's happened? He said, I don't know, son, my hand just slipped. You saw it, son, it just went. I said, where's the big blue E? He says, it's in that bin, son. I said, oh, Christ, Dad, you've, uh, you've deleted the internet. He said, is that bad? I said, yes, that's pretty bad, that dad, to be honest. There was a lot of work in there. That was was about 50 years of mankind moving forward, that dad. That was progress, and you've deleted the bastard. My dad started crying. I thought, fuck him, he gave me this nose. So, uh, another podcast friendly joke, both for the F word and the visual. I said, I said to him, Dad, they're going to know it's you. Gonna, they contract this sort of thing. You've seen them on the news with paedophiles, Dad. They're going to be all over you. And uh, I went home, left him to it. Right, I went home. And the next day, my dad phoned me up, and he had a remarkably uh, optimistic lilt in his voice. He goes, hey, Tom, it's your dad. Great news, son, great news. I was looking in the recycle bin, and the internet was still there. <laughs> well, the bin men don't come till Thursday, do they? <laughs> So I clicked on it and it said, would you like to restore the internet? So I selected yes, son. I'm out of the woods. Everything's fine. <laughs> I said, that's great news, Dad. Good to hear. He said, yes, but I've learnt my lesson, son. And I don't want that to happen again. So I'm, I'm doing what you told me. You know, I'm, I'm taking your advice. I said, you just stop. Stop there, Dad. Stop everything. You're not trying to back up the internet, are you? <laughs> you? You can't. You can't do that, Dad. You can't back up the internet. He said, no, I'm not trying to back it up. No, I'm, uh, I'm printing it out. <laughs> Just <laughs> page nine of twenty-two billion. I'm going to need more ink. A lot of these I couldn't show your mother. <laughs> Imagine that! Imagine a virus sweeping around the World Wide Web and all the information superhighways went crunch like that. The internet, as we know it, just got wiped out. And the only person with a copy was my dad, <laughs> who'd printed. He'd just be on the phone all day to people, going, "Hello, right? There's a flight leave Gatwick at eight fifteen. Is that a news?" <laughs> Constantly manning phones. Ah, hello again, Steve, let me just check. No, I'm afraid you've been outbid. (laughs) Joey (laughs) out. How about that, Tom Wrigglesworth?
1: He's performing at this fringe for five nights only at the Udderbelly doing a show called The Hit. He's been described as offensive, most offensive and beyond offensive by the lazy journalists who all read the same press releases. You make your own mind up. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Jeffries. Jim, your show is called, it's called The Hits.
0: Yes, I'm only doing five nights and I hadn't written any new material all year, so I thought it'd be a bit rude of me to come up and do a full run of old material. So I just uh, thought I'd do five days and get a whole lot of money and run out basically, uh, (laughs) basically steal audience members off the people who are struggling and have put effort in. Um, (laughs) But as it happened, between the time that I called it that and actually did the show, I've written 30 minutes of pretty good stuff. So yeah, so it's old stuff plus a little bit of new stuff just chucked in. So what a show! <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, uh, since you were here uh, last, you were a guest last year. You've uh, you've moved out to America.
0: I've moved out to America. Yeah, I live on in Venice Beach in Los Angeles.
1: That is a that's a, that's a remarkable turnaround. I mean, I can remember when you were living in some sort of um, you were living in a, a, sh- uh, a flat chair somewhere the- in.
0: It, it, I, I used to, yeah, I used to live in a sheriff flat with other comedians in Manchester in Wally Range and uh, I, I got pretty down and at my lowest point, um, I was standing on the pier in Blackpool about to jump off, um, <laughs> but I, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> You live in Hollywood now, How how's this come about then? Um, I, I, I went over there just to do a few gigs and uh, I convinced uh, HBO that I was famous in Britain, which was an out-and-out lie, <laughs> and uh, luckily enough they don't care what Britain's doing, and they don't pay attention, they believed me, and I, I got my own uh, hour TV special, yeah. Fantastic, where, where was that recorded? That was recorded in a uh, theatre in New York, NYU. And the, they, the specials that year were like uh, me, Ricky Gervais, Will Farrell, Chris Rock, and Lisa <laughs> Lampanelli. So yeah, my name just fitted in there with no one even fucking noticing. <laughs> 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 oh, it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh,
1: how did that work out for you
0: then? Is it, did, they- came, it came out really good. The, the one thing they said to me, because as a dirty comic, um, HBO has no censorship whatsoever. You can say whatever you want in their show, but they're very concerned about how the ratings marks will be at 15 minutes. So the only rule I got given was, don't say cunt for 15 minutes. <laughs> Which I didn't, but at 15 minutes 30. You ever seen that scene in Rocky when he had to go back to Southpaw and he was happy again? Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and I can tell you what, I had no dropout at the 15-minute mark. Shitloads at the two-minute mark. <laughs> There's a, there's a little light come on then. It's a, you know, like there's a sort of
1: old-fashioned BBC applause sign saying it is now safe to say cunt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> no, I, I knew. I think the sentence was aren't pandas cunts. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd start with a light sort of fluffy one. It was just about how they won't reproduce and they just sort of, you know, <laughs> they just look at each other. Some of your around. sort of surreal, whimsical stuff. Yeah. If you, a... you put me into a cage with something, I'll fuck it. <laughs> I don't think I'm meant to be on The Guardian. I think, uh, is this a broadsheet or a normal-sized paper?
1: It's uh, hard to tell these days. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, you are, I mean obviously you do get described as, as being pretty offensive. Is, yes. that, is that something, do you, do you ever write st- uh, stuff and go, oh, that is a, I mean that's, that is top-notch but it's not particularly
0: Oh, I, I, you, I, you, to I used that. to be a very angry young man I used to be much more offensive than I am now and I've mellowed, I'm still fairly offensive I'm still fa- my main story from my show this year is about taking a friend of mine with muscular dystrophy to a brothel but it's a heartwarming story <laughs> where before it would have just been nasty like I had to undress him, pay for the hooker you know, tell her what to do and I've never been a hooker I just, I'm just a good friend and the difference is, though, I'm not, I'm not angry anymore. So now, it's, it's weird. When I go on the road, a lot of people who were fans of mine maybe five years ago, there's like ten of those guys, and um, <laughs> they get really disappointed that I'm not, uh, I'm not as offensive as I used to be. And also, I, I used to get really bothered because people used to uh, think that's how I was as a, as a human being all day. And you can't be that guy all day. I'd just be punching women in the street and just <laughs> kicking babies. And I don't want... That's not what anyone wants. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I've mellowed.
1: You certainly have. You seem, you seem remarkably calm. Um, do you, I actually, I, got, I once got billed as a risque comedian. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I genu- Is that the Balamori tour? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, it may well have been. I was possibly, possibly the rudest, rudest person in it. Uh, yes, thank you for bringing that again, uh, again. I think I seem to remember you brought it up last year.
0: Uh, no. Uh... Well, I'm only doing the hits this year, mate. <laughs>
1: That's one of them. Um... <laughs> no. Uh... The, the
0: cricket starts tomorrow. Is this podcast going out after that? Uh, it will probably no. Probably go out just before the cricket. cricket before starts. the cricket. Who thinks? Uh, okay, it's lovely to ask this in Scotland. Who thinks England will win? <laughs> but both teams are equally shit. It's
1: worrying, isn't it? We've uh, we both we've lost our bottle, essentially, England and, and Australia. There's no last 2005. Both teams showed the capacity to be absolutely amazing at times. Whereas it's, it's sort of been the opposite this time. Both no. teams have been unexpectedly awful.
0: If England do win, if they have the audacity to have another ticker tape parade after this one, I'll be surprised. <laughs> this is the whole problem with, with with English sport is when they won those cricket things, the carry on. Like, you're professional fucking athletes. You're meant to win. <laughs> That's your job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Australians win. We come home at the airport, and the Prime Minister stands there and goes, throw the trophy in the pile, will you son?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Take that class of 2005. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jim Jefferies. Thanks very much to everyone on the show today. Ivan Brackery, Tom Rigglesworth, Sarah Millican, John Holmes and Jim Jeffries. To play us out, a double act that's been getting five-star reviews and sellout crowds, catch their show, School of Pop, every night in the Underbelly. Please welcome Frisky and
5: Manish.
6: All right, guys, my name is Lily Allen. And I'm here today to do my new single, which... That's not the right song. How
5: perfectly marvellous to bump into you, Lily. I've been following your career with some interest.
6: Uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) who are you?
5: I'm Noel Coward, obviously. Now, your lyrics. They're very unique, but they lack a certain bounce. Would you like me to show you how it's done?
6: No, seriously, alright, I'll just do my song. It's I
5: be was awesome. riding with this city on my bike all day, because I felt to in my license. It doesn't get me down, I feel okay, because the sights I'm seeing are priceless. Everything seems to look as it should, but I wonder what's going on behind doors. And mm-hmm. that looking dapper sitting with a slabber, I see it's a pimp in his crack, or you might laugh, you might frown, walking round London town. Suns in Sky, oh, why, oh, why, would you want to be anywhere else? Suns in Sky, oh, why, oh, why, would you want to be anywhere else? If you look with your eyes, everything seems nice, but if you look twice, you can see it's all lies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, not quite what I was going for, actually. There no, was a little like... old lady walking down the road, from back from Tesco. People in the city, of lunch to the park. Yes, it's called alfresco. A boy comes along to offer a hand before he's That time to accept it. It's a row the head, doesn't he's dead, who has got a little wallet. Ha! You might laugh, you might frown, walking round London town. Suns and sky, oh why, oh why would I want to be anywhere else? Suns and sky, oh why, oh why would I want to be anywhere else? If you look with your eyes, everything seems nice, but if you look twice, you'd see it's all lies. Nice. That's city life, it's city life, it's witty life.
6: <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Perfectly um, simple. Yeah. Thanks, Noel. You're welcome. Um, don't think you've quite got it, yeah, like what I'm about. It's about being laconic and dry. Like you don't really care. Well,
5: why don't you give us an example then?
6: Yeah, alright, so I do one of your songs, yeah. You did that one What I've been to a marvellous party.
5: Yeah, that's one of mine.
6: I can relate to that. It was the most fabulous excitement I've never seen such a carry-on obviously it couldn't happen anywhere else but on the Riviera it's most peculiar people's behavior away from Belgravia would make you aghast so much variety watching society scampering past on Wednesday last I've been to a market That's what makes my life so fucking fantastic. Basically. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We have been frisky and mannish.
7: The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. You've really got me in
1: a state today, Sarah. I've 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 been all over the place, I'm in a cold sweat.